1: G'day, Coxie.
0: G'day, Warwick. How are you?
1: I'm very well. And at the play school uh, table today, we're going to say g'day to Dan Pollard from Fergus. Welcome back to the podcast, mate.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have the one caped crusader with us. And I must say, (laughs) I always love the Calvin Klein look of our male model on the show. Looking, Looking flash today, Warwick.
0: Oh Dan, I love having you on the show. This Dan, is doing, great I'm fun. I'm doing
1: the high collared black thing, you know. I just need a longer neck to make it work. I see it's working for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just missing the Fergus logo on the on the pocket here, mate. It's missing That's, something yeah, else, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for the listeners who can't actually see what the heck we're all talking about, uh, Nicole is sporting a very lovely. Uh, does that have a particular label, Nicole?
0: It's a country road cape.
1: Ooh, mm. bit of country road cape mm-hmm. because it's it's like in Queensland, it's kind of cold but not really cold enough to wear a jumper.
0: Well, I feel freezing, but by lunchtime <laughs> I'll be boiling hot <laughs> yeah. in, in true Queensland fashion.
2: And she's Ooh. looking fabulous. I mean, she's got platinum here yeah, and a platinum cape, and it's just looks, you know, it's dynamic, isn't it, really? And- Thank
0: you, Dan. Can we interview you every Friday? <laughs> these compliments are a great way to start my day.
1: Nicole's productivity levels are going to go through the roof after this uh, <laughs> podcasting. We're so psyched about the day. Um, it's interesting talking about superheroes and uh, capes and those sorts of things. We're having a bit of a pre-chat as we tend to do before we press record on these podcasts. And uh, Dan, you guys at Fergus are actually the major sponsors of the Tradies in Business Excellence Awards. So for anybody um, who listens to these episodes in real time, which I think is a lot of our listeners actually, uh, they literally sweat on the episodes coming out. (laughs) Uh, So Fergus have been fantastic supporters of the Tradies in Business Excellence Awards. Um, We know Dan from previous interviews and chats with him, is very passionate about small to medium business and um, I guess – helping people do things differently to the old ways. Mm. Um, but talking about superhumans, we, we were just rattling off some of the entries into the Excellence Awards and some of the incredible stories uh, of business owners and um, business, the real bosses, the, uh, the business supporters, the sidekicks, I guess, which maybe understates their role. Uh, it's probably like Batman and Robin, you know, Robin really mm. did all the work. Um, Batman was just, he just had the fancy cape, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> some amazing people that deserve, uh, to wear capes as well, I think. So, um, excited to, to roll those awards out soon, but then, um, you've got some great stuff that, uh, we're going to chat about today. Uh, I can't remember how long it is since we had you on the podcast.
2: it will be six months. Yes, yeah, at
1: least six months. Um, There's been a lot of things unfold uh, <laughs> in the, the COVID world and uh, building booms and lockdowns and all sorts of stuff. Uh, I guess one of the things that we've seen with the trades is they've become very busy. They've got a lot of work on, um, which is fantastic for them. Mm. And some of them are struggling a bit to manage clients and longer time frames and materials delays. I know you've got plenty of insight on this, mate. Um, What are you seeing with with your customers and what are your uh, thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think first of all, if those who don't know who I am, I should talk about one minute who I am so they they go, oh, this (laughs) guy is not just not just, you know.
1: Just Dan from Fergus. Like, oh, he's just there one is. of the employees. Although that's that's probably a good segue, mate, yeah, to certainly. something we're going to talk about today. So you're like the employee of Fergus, aren't
2: you? Yeah, the employee. So for those who don't know, so yeah, I'm Dan. I'm now 45. Been a plumber since I was 17. Self-employed since I was 22. Um, had a couple of guys been through one business and pay my taxes. Looking back now, I had an had a emotional burnout at 24 from that from that stressful time. Uh started again at 25, 26, employed a couple of people again, closed that one again because of the grief and stress of just trying to manage a business and all the jobs, um, came back at 30, had read a lot, learned about business, um, got that third business to 25 staff and very successful and sold it for over a million dollars. And at the same time, had also done two software startups and did Fergus Software, and that now has seventy staff. And we've got we've now got three to five staff in the UK, fifteen wow. staff in in Aussie, and forty-five odd staff in New Zealand. And it's easy, and it's really easy. So I've really got the hang. So my f- first ten years were a complete and utter hopeless desert wasteland of disaster, <laughs> and, and then the last the next ten years were actually very difficult but very successful. Mm. Uh, and so I do feel well qualified. I've like I made every single mistake that's possible to make,
0: mm.
2: and then got it all right. So that's a good
1: wrap up,
0: mate. I do.
2: <laughs> I felt I
1: was feeling a little bit depressed at the start of the wrap up, though, because I was like, "Bloody hell, and you've failed at this and lost that." And uh, and it's such a common story, though. People that's see lots point. of overnight successes. And yeah. and they look at you know, often it's it's people in their forties, I guess, forties and fifties that all of a sudden seem to have this amazingly successful enterprise. Uh, and what most of us don't see is the gritty, grimy, muddy stuff for the ten, fifteen, twenty years prior oh to that. <clears throat> you know,
2: <laughs> the- and it's dumb. And so, for those who are listening, like I've, I've read a, a lot of the trade awards, uh, the, the applications. And I bang on about this all the time. It's incredible, those of you guys who have interacted with how much improvement they made in like mm. six to nine months. Like, mm. like, and it, honestly, it's amazing how much a bit of mentoring can like I, – I was just kick myself. I wasted seven or eight years mucking around that six months of coaching would have fixed. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's it's... What I mean. get mentoring, get coaching, sign up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it, it, it's hard uh, i said this to a prospective client recently and i i haven't found a way to say it without myself feeling a little maybe conceited and and um you manipulative is uh is just the the power of actually having a mentor or a coach or yeah. It doesn't have to even be a paid one, although I think a bit of hurt money actually makes a difference um, in people's commitment levels. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it's one of the most common things we hear from our clients, uh, and I'm sort of 13 years in, in the game, and, Coxie, I think you've got 10 years or so uh, in, in this gig of coaching, and it's something we hear very commonly is, well, what do you wish you'd done differently? It's like, I wish I'd got a coach at the start.
3: Yeah, at mm-hmm. the start.
1: And uh, it's hard to say that to a prospective client without feeling like I'm just pitching my services because I am. I want them to actually sign up and make change because we know how much of a difference it makes,
2: Dan. Well, just tell them to call me and I'll tell them. (laughs)
1: Dan from Fergus said you should get a coach. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Don't be like
2: Dan. I love it. You don't be like Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I Sometimes
0: I think, though, there is an awful lot of value in learning those lessons the no, hard way. No, I don't
2: think there is. I I'm, don't reckon. No. No.
0: <laughs> I think if I even reflect on my own time making some pretty big mistakes in business, had I not have made them, I would have continued on my merry way and continued to make them until it came to the ultimate end one way or the other. So I think that the, the hurt in some of those cases really motivated me to find the change. It's something we talk about a lot here.
2: Yeah, no, I disagree. Okay, okay good. Totally disagree. Tell I me agree. your, your you thoughts. Would, you would never send an apprentice out on, in the van on day one to do his own jobs. Agree. But it's just That's bollocks. They need coaching, training, guiding, and tutoring for a couple of years to learn it. So yes. why the hell know. do we go in business with no training, coaching, mentoring from day one? It's crazy. Why do you struggle? You should be pushed in growth in a, in, in a safe environment.
0: I totally agree with right? that.
2: So, so, growth and being pushed, totally fine. Mm. Doing struggle street for the sake of it is just dumb. It's painful. People commit suicide. I mean, I nearly went bankrupt. Why would you do that? Just because you're, it's not as dumb. Sorry. I
0: don't think, I look, I don't disagree with you. And I think that there are times when uh there are lessons that just will not be learned until we feel a little bit of pain now it certainly doesn't need to get to that point mm-hmm. I'd hate to see it to get to either of those points bankruptcy suicide mental health issues any of no. those and a little bit of pain to learn maybe not even pain but it, the understanding of the difference between the easy way the right way the challenged way the difficult way the difference the pain, between the two is where the, but where the we can and,
2: pain and executing is enough
1: not for most people. I, I in in more than a decade of coaching people, yeah. it seems that there is a particular level of suffering people need to experience <laughs> in order to actually choose change. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's what Coxie's saying, right? In some regard, is I mean I, I agree, Dan, that it's it's crazy to to go out there and think. Well, I'm just going to go and screw it up enough, and then I'll figure it out. Yeah. Because I think that's that's a crazy approach. And sadly, a lot of people actually take that approach. I understand. It's like, I'm just going to wing it, and I'll yeah. figure it out. It's like, dude, you're in for a life of pain. A life uh, of pain. And yet, there is there is so much information. There's so much um, support, help. There's programs. Mm. There's free stuff available to people, and they choose suffering because of whatever reason, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, uh, thank goodness, but I, I, my own personal theory is I think there's a, there's a particular um, suffering threshold that everybody has. Some have a it's really very, big threshold yeah. and some have a smaller one where they'll make change earlier on in the piece, um, but I think everybody actually needs to, in inverted quotes, um, hit their threshold of suffering before they'll actually go, okay, this is shit, this, I need yeah, to change yeah. something.
2: Should we just yeah. cue some meditation music and, and just uh, <laughs> and, um, talking about finding inner peace? Because actually, business is actually that. It yeah. actually is inner peace of going, oh, no bugger all, I'll get help. And it's a journey of learning how to run a business and not being stressed. Mm. That's actually one of those big lessons of learning, running a business is not to learn how to not be stressed.
1: And I'm going to use that as a Chuck Norris segue for long-time listeners know Mm. that I love a good Chuckie Norris segue into...
2: Chuck Norris doesn't push up. Chuck Norris pushes earth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to push the earth down for years at the gym and it doesn't seem to be working. Mm. Um, I throw up but not push up. Anyway, so uh, one of these these uh, things about business. Mm. I literally had this conversation this morning with the owner of of the gym that I go to. He was mm. sort of picking my brains a bit on some ideas and he's only a young guy and he's actually worked out pretty early on that he is not his business and his business is not him. Mm. And he was talking about how almost freeing that's been for him to accept that the business and him are two separate things mm. and he's now starting to look at it very differently and he's mm-hmm. and he said the words to me, which is like music to my ears and my heart, you know, I'm building this thing with the idea that I could sell it. I mm. probably won't, but I'm building it so that it could be sold at any minute. 100%. And yep. it's a place that we don't see many people get to, Coxie uh through their journey in being again in air quotes business owners mm. there are actually people doing work not actually people owning a business and i'd be interested to hear more from you dan and maybe we could all have a disagreement about that as well because <laughs> uh, i love a bit of uh ding dong on a podcast episode i've been missing i've been missing our uh our little uh, arm wrestling sessions, Dan, it's great, mate.
2: <laughs> well, think we might agree.
1: Like it's better than talking about social media and uh, mm. cash flow. i got to say. Mm. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Coxie was just so a bit let's sick. In see if,
2: mouth I can make, if I can see, if I can make a coherent sense of my thinking. So I'll touch on um what is a bloody business. And it's really complicated because a business is a living entity, right? And so as soon as you create it, it has obligations that the government has mandated around tax obligations, employee obligations, standard obligations, building control obligations. Uh, you buy vehicles. You have all these obligations. And so you've basically, com- you have created a, an entity that must comply with all these things, whether you like or not. You have no choice in that thing. And the reason, and do you think about, okay, why is there a need for businesses to be controlled? It's, it's because if businesses are left unchecked, they will literally employ child labour to work for the lowest price to do work. Mm-hmm. Businesses need to be controlled by legislation because they will do unbelievable harm to the environment and people and property in the chase of profit, right? Because businesses are, are created for pure greed. So their innate essence is to be greedy, Right. Because businesses can only create wealth by taking advantage and exploiting gaps in market, right? So exploiting resources, exploiting someone needs money, right? So and it's the it's, the, it's that um, what's it almost oh, gosh what's it called when there's a gap in the market and someone needs something? Constraints, right? What's that thing called? Supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. And so therefore, regulation has evolved to control supply and demand and businesses so they behave ethically. Right? So that's, that's what, when you're entering into a business, you're entering into a world of where your desire to have money, basically greed, which is fine, is, is a known thing, and businesses must be tempered on the greed to follow and conduct themselves in a certain behavior, right? So that's what you're actually signing up for, and you don't realize it when you first sign up for it. So cool. So you create this thing now, all these obligations. So you've created a, a Frankenstein, right? This, this thing that's been cobbled, cobbled together of body parts. And then, so you don't own the business. And so there's, so there's, so then what the hell are shares? And so it's really important to understand the business, just call it ABC trading, that's the business, but no one owns it because that's now a living, recognized, legal compliant thing that the government will hold to account. So what you own is the shares in the business, right? Because that's what you, and you as the director are in charge of adding value to those, to the shares because it's the shares that that you own and can sell, not the business. And so as soon as you go, oh, shucks, I don't own the business, I own shares in the business because that's sellable, because the business is its own entity, but I'm now tasked by law, whether I like it or not as a director to add maximum value to the shareholders. So yes, it's to myself, but it's getting that mindset of realizing I am now held accountable by law to be a professional director to run this business properly. And then when you start going, oh, shucks, then the question you should ask yourself is, do I have the skill sets to be a director of my own company? And the answer is mostly you don't. Hmm. And so, when, so soon as you, so soon as you start going, shucks, I'm not competent to run my own company. I have no idea of what I'm supposed to do. That's friggin' awesome because that's the great question that you ask yourself is, and you go, I am actually incompetent to run my own business. I'm a competent tradesperson. Cool. So, then, what you do is you then go and get help from mentors, accountants, lawyers, and then you start working around the systems and processes that need to be in place so that you can comply effortlessly with all the requirements required to be in business and behave like a business owner.
0: It's a big difference between a tradesperson and a business owner. Uh, I'm really intrigued to hear your opinion, Dan, on why many tradespeople don't get to that point of being a business owner.
2: You want my honest answer? Or do you to do pretty, pretty answer? <laughs> no, no. Give us your honesty. Roxy's wearing a cape. She's ready for everything. Yeah, ready.
1: Today.
2: <laughs> this is going to get you. Might you might cut this if you cut this?
1: No, no. I don't cut anything, nothing.
2: Dan. I just put a little e on it if it's explicit. I'm not explicit. This is going to be controversial, man. Like this Love could be a lot of hate. Um Like I'm often accused of being an overthinker, right? Mm-hmm. I get told. Been told that my whole life. And I'm like, to me, an overthinker is somebody who thinks about possibilities that can't exist, like asteroids hitting the earth. I'm like, I don't think about stuff like that. I actually think about how things work. And so what I now say is, no, I'm not an overthinker, you're just an underthinker. <laughs> right? And people don't think enough is the honest answer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'll you actually right? And I actually, and that's totally cool, right? Because that's where we go to school to be taught, mm-hmm. to learn. Right, And the only reason I've learned to think is because I struggled so hard in eight years. I was like, I'm not going to fail the third time. I have to start reading and learning.
3: Mm.
2: And then you start going, oh, I just wasn't thinking well. Mm. I was just selfish. Like, I'm happy to. It was terrible. My job when I first started was to get money from your wallet to my wallet. That was my goal.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Guess what? That doesn't work for very long. Mm-hmm. And so that's why... People need training to understand these concepts of you're a business owner. This is what it means to be a business owner. This is how it looks. And how are you supposed to learn that stuff unless someone trains you and teaches you and you do your apprenticeship in business? I mean, blind spots are blind spots.
1: Yeah. You can't think outside the box if you can't see outside the box. So mm-hmm. uh you need someone
2: who's already outside the damn box
1: to come and say, hey, there's an outside. Hey, let me give you a hand to, you know, climb up here and have a look.
2: Well, I think there should be a business license that you can't, you can't start a business unless you've done a one-year business degree. <laughs> I, truly, I truly believe that. Well,
0: I don't think that's a silly idea. I, uh,
1: yeah, I'm going to disagree in, a little bit, Dan, with, in, with the whole Germany,
2: thing. You, you can't operate a business in Germany without a business license. You have to do training and pass courses that you know how to run a business. And it should be the same here.
1: I agree with the, the the principle. The problem I have with all of that is I don't actually believe school or university anymore, and it hasn't done for decades. Actually teaches people how to think, and I've got sure. you know I've got a bunch of letters after my name in business and finance. R I T P. Say again, sorry. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just swear at me? Uh, a <laughs> And they taught me very, very, very little about business and running a business. They didn't teach me how to think. They taught me a whole bunch of rules, which are still important, and there are some great courses mm-hmm. out there. I mean, you can do executive MBAs and MBAs and stuff that are very good um, skill sets to develop. And it's still a lot of theory. And I mean, this kind of loops back to um, what Coxie was saying earlier and what we were discussing around making mistakes. I think um, it's like my nine year old daughter, you know, I'm teaching her to drive already. So Mm. she's driving the car up and down the paddock Mm. and it's done. She's, she's able to stall the car. She's able to get it wrong, crunch the gears, do all that Mm. stuff in a, controlled environment where the the failures are planned by someone else who has the insight to know that nothing catastrophic is going to happen. She's not going to blow the car up or run into a tree. But when when we hang everything on a piece of paper, I mean, just have a look at the trades. How many um, apprentices and tradespeople are getting a ticket and (laughs) – they're qualified, quote unquote, but are they actually a good tradesperson?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Because, you know, when I did my time, we had uh, the A, B, and C paper. So A was plumbing, and B was gas fitting, and C was business. Hmm. And so you couldn't go into business unless you had completed your one year business paper. Yeah. And that was still very good for me. Like, I wouldn't, that still taught me a lot about accounting, taught me a lot about, um you know just didn't do anybody good but it was still better than
1: nothing i think it's a great it's a great um you're a great case study and so many people are like it they're like oh i've done a i've done a you know management certificate or something or a business administration certificate and i think well that's a great start mm. and it needs to be more than that and it comes back to what what we talk about with having mentors and coaches and, you know, even if it's just going to seminars and hanging out with other business owners who are doing cool stuff and I think it's that willingness to think critically and, and I actually think, and I'm maybe an overthinker sometimes, Coxie, <laughs> <laughs> is um, people need to be taught how to think more critically about what they're doing and where they're at. They need, they need self-reflection and insight building courses i think because yeah. uh, cool. the, the business information is out there i mean bloody hell i could go google cash flow forecast and i could teach myself how to do a cash flow forecast in a seven minute youtube video
2: well oh, one of the amazing <laughs> things reading really with the business awards is pretty much every single six story is, is underpinned by the partner running the business mm.
1: <laughs> That's so we just all need wonder wives that can actually run the show for us.
0: (laughs) Do you think, though, uh, the thing that's standing out to me here is we have to get comfortable with admitting that we don't know what we don't know and that's okay because that's where it all starts. That's where the knowledge-seeking begins. That's where Mm. the confidence to take on somebody else's advice. It all starts with being comfortable enough to be vulnerable and I don't know what I don't know. But
2: isn't it worse than that? What's that, um, the, the ignorance chart? is it because you don't know that you don't know you don't know that you don't know that you don't know
0: <laughs> this could get really confused oh,
2: yeah. I, <laughs> right? I haven't,
0: had, a, I haven't oh, yeah. had
1: anywhere near enough coffee for that conversation <laughs> <laughs> or whiskey <whatever> they say? <laughs> yeah.
0: but i i really do think it comes back to i think um if we were to look at the traditional trajectory of a tradie that moves into a business mm. owner they generally they start out doing their apprenticeship They may come through be a great apprentice Suddenly they start to think, I can do this better than the guy I've been working with. They go out on their own. They're still uh, working for a wage. They're not business owners. And it it, it comes to a point where I think we leave our ego on the table and we step up and we say, okay, it's time to be vulnerable. I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that reflects back to often where traditionally, and this is a little bit sexist, but I'm talking traditionally, this is traditionally where the wives get involved they seem to be a little more comfortable with coming into a trade business and immediately recognizing what they don't know because i'm not a tradie i don't actually know where i fit i don't have that knowledge but i can see there's probably a better way to yeah, do the right. business side of this let's start looking at what that looks like and that's when i feel usually those conversations start to happen that said we still have a bunch of clients where the wives aren't involved or they're not even married they figure it out at a point in time themselves yeah. i think it very much comes back to that point where you make a decision to leave the Go on the table, and we admit that we don't know what we don't know, mm. and we don't know what we don't know, mm. don't know, don't know.
3: Mm.
2: Mm. We, Dan, a zen session. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I can see flowers on the screen behind you, Dan. <laughs> so, Dan, I want to I want to take you back to what you are saying earlier about um that whole business is a separate entity thing. Um, so you know someone listening to this maybe there's an electrician scooting around in his or her van um, got a few employees yep I've got a business and I'm a business owner and he or she is probably racing off what's the time now you know it's 9 30 in the morning yeah. they're probably racing off to their third job that they yeah. need to go and put out some fires at um, what are some ways maybe that you found that our listeners can follow to start to move from I am my business, my business is me, to, holy crap, this business is separate to me and I need to treat it differently.
2: Well, I'm going to to say two words and then I'm going to expand upon that. And some people need to go get a tattoo for these two words. And it starts on this principle of capital allocation. And so as 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 a proper business person now, I now understand capital allocation is is all that matters. I now know business is a science, right? Business is an absolute science. I know, depending where we spend a dollar on marketing, what return I will get for my dollar on digital versus flyers versus vehicle versus word of mouth. I now know how much revenue I'm going to get in. I know how much money we will spend on new tools, new vehicles, I will, health and safety, training, office staff, org charts, hiring, premises, right? And all that capital is allocated because I know how much revenue we will get in based on our marketing and partnerships and channel. It's, it's a pure science. And so starting at the discussion of those who are listening, is your training I'd love you to undertake is getting comfortable that business is scientific. It's literally mathematical, right? It's not a mystery. You can have confidence that once you start building a business based on proper systems and a proper marketing and go to market plan, you know that you can guarantee a return in your business. And you know, you can execute with absolute confidence that the money you spend will have a result that you can bank on that will allow your business to expand. And so, Once you've got that in mind, you now go, okay, this business is separate from me. I own the shares in it, but I would like it to work like this, to deliver this return to the shareholders. And so as soon as you start taking that thought pattern, so if you don't know that with absolute 100% certainty, that's your learning to do, Mm. right? So your learning is to go, what learning do I have to, to do over the next year until I understand what on earth he's talking about mm. because I know what I'm talking about. Cause we've got, you know, if we weren't, we're hiring three or four new staff every month, right. And we're going to be, we'll be hundred staff soon. And then 120 and 150 and 200. And I'm like, cool, can't wait. And if we're not 200 staff in a few years time, I'll be like, Oh, that's disappointing. What happened there? Mm. Why are we not? Right. And so I've got that. Well, I expect to be hiring new staff forever. Now there's no limit to how big we can get. And so same with my plumbing company. I had no fear at hiring people because I knew how to get new business in. I knew how to do marketing and partnerships and channel and word of mouth and the work would come and we'd hire and I wasn't afraid anymore.
1: Coxie is going to use that against me when we (laughs) stop recording this episode. (laughs) Something I've resisted for years, you know, we talked about business school and that sort of stuff before Um, it's, my take on that is it's not enough, okay? Uh, I think there's more to business than just doing a degree or a diploma or whatever the heck it is. I think it's an important part of it, um, no different to just doing one aspect sure. of a trade is enough, right? There's, there's multiple facets. Sure. Um, and I am learning to embrace my past, which is – uh, nearly twenty years in accounting, finance, and and management, basically, um, and teach trades that numbers are the language of the science of business. As you oh, said, no. Dan, Wait. mathematics and it's not complicated stuff. I mean, it's <laughs> just if you can if you can add and multiply and divide on a calculator, you can do business science.
3: <laughs> but you
1: have to have numbers attached to things because. It, the, the numbers are and we say this a lot well i certainly do to our trades people you know electricians are used to looking at multimeters and gauges and plumbers do the same with pressures and builders yep. are using a tape measure and my yep. dad could subtract numbers and divide truss angles and stuff oh, on a block of wood with a builder's pencil like yeah. <laughs> no tomorrow yeah. but when it came to finance he just didn't transfer those skills yeah and you know tradies have such a fantastic skill set because they're used to working with all of those mathematical calculations. It's just doing it in a different environment.
2: And if you can, if you can do scale drawings, you can do business reporting. Mm. (laughs) It's bang on. And I I think, like
1: you said, uh, you know, business is not mystical magic. There's no smoke. Um, There's no no seances. It's not organic and it's not gut feeling and intuition. Uh, Neither is marketing. And a lot of people waste a lot of money on marketing because they think it's some magical talent that only marketing people have. Uh, it's not an arts degree to be a marketer. It's That's it's
2: simple
1: mathematics. So I'm uh, I'm loving what you're saying, Dan. And oh, I'm not
2: saying if you go to university to learn these skills, right? No,
1: so, absolutely not. Well, they don't teach a lot of them anyway. Hey, eh? Th- they don't teach a lot of this stuff in no.
2: university anyway. No, you need, you need mentoring from people who know to market a trades business is way different than doing software marketing versus mm-hmm. marketing petrol stations versus it's all simple to those who know how to do it. It's like digital AdWords for plumbers is awesome. Great. Vans are amazing. You know, the odd fly is amazing. It's very simple marketing, but gosh, mm-hmm. it works. Yep. Yep. And so, um, and then you've got to marry that with a bit of experience of knowing that I suppose that that would be the only thing that you have to get comfortable with is trusting that the work will come if you do this. But then after, after you see it happen for after a year, you go, oh, it actually does work. Well, that's then- the science aspect,
1: isn't it, Dan? of scientists test things, they come up with a theory or a hypothesis, then yeah. they go and test it, and they go, hey, look at that. My theory was right. Or, yeah, my theory's a bit off. We need yeah. to go back to the drawing board, come up with a new theory, and then test that one.
2: Yes, that one and so it does work and so for those yeah so coming to if you're listening to this if you don't know that business is scientific and trustable then I'd encourage you to go okay even if he's wrong I'm going to see if maybe he was right
1: (laughs) do it to prove uh, prove Dan wrong there you go prove me wrong that it's not scientific
2: (laughs) and then and now you're being a business owner because you're thinking okay how could, so, because what I, I, I wish I was sat down and taught business, and then had the had the guts to go and then borrow a quarter of a million and grow my business, those first ones through borrowings rather than from cash flow.
3: Because
2: mm. money is so cheap to borrow, right? Right, so cheap. And how much pressure would it take if you were not trying to expand your business from cash flow? Buying vehicles and plant and stock from cash flow is so difficult, mm. and there's no need. It's dumb. You should borrow the money and then just pay back over five years, and and have three nice vans, and have a nice website, and have nice uniforms, and nice tools, and then just go and just go and execute. It's way easier.
0: I wonder how much uh, easier these decisions would be to make if we just thought about our businesses as their own living, breathing things instead of an extension of
2: ourselves. And the fear, and so if you've got fear, which is completely good. If you have Mm -hmm. no fear, that that's done. Canon. have natural fear and you go but you know what i'm going to go get an accountant or a bookkeeper or a part-time cfo to check my numbers and give me the confidence that i'm not crazy Mm. Mm. you know like you guys are the same as me i can look at a spreadsheet in a what 10 minutes Mm -hmm. look at your numbers and so a cfo is not going to spend days or weeks he's going to spend maybe an hour Mm
3: -hmm.
2: checking out your figures might cost you 200 bucks and it doesn't cost a lot because these things are not complicated. you know, We're not trying to land in Mar- in a moon on Mars or rocket on Mars mess, right? It's simple numbers.
1: But it, it takes the, I guess, humility to say I'm okay to seek advice from someone smarter than me. It's it's admitting that I don't know everything, and that took me probably, how old am I now, uh, how old was I when I could talk? So, you know, 40-plus <laughs> years for me to, to accept that, uh, and Boy, you look so good <laughs> I'm glad you're in another country uh, <laughs> but it, it took me a, lo- a large part of my life to accept and be comfortable with the fact that there's people smarter than me that can actually give me guidance on what to do and I don't have to figure it out for myself to be worthy I don't have to have the answers to be enough you know, to be enough of a man, a business owner, a husband, a father, whatever, seeking mm. the answers elsewhere actually requires, in again, my personal opinion and observation over many years of working with people, some of the strongest, most courageous people are the ones that go, you know what, I don't actually know how to deal with this. I'm going to go find someone who can give me some guidance. That takes guts.
2: Yeah, for those who are listening, I... Um voluntary sort of uh, side at at Fergus to put a new CEO in, right? Because I took it to 40 staff and recognized I didn't have the skill sets to take it to the 100 staff, right? And I have no problem at saying I realized I needed someone else who'd been there, done that, and knew what to do Mm -hmm. because it's just a business that I created. I work there. They employ me, and therefore I'd run out of a skill set to take it to the next level. And what was good for the business was to get someone else and who knew how to get it. And I'm so glad I did. Like, you know, you know, I'm learning a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I know what to do. It's been great. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's a lot have, less stressful too. It's a lot way less stressful. But, I mean, I've learned a lot watching him do it and going, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I'm sure we would have got there. But, gosh, it would have been very difficult. Mm. Yeah. Whereas the new CEO has been great. He, he's done it before. He knows what systems and tools to bring in to, to get it to where it is now, right? Mm. And it's, you know, So, therefore, I now know I could, t- I could do it to this level now. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah, I still yeah. know I kind of watch and take it a bit further, it'll be interesting the next journey, right, again
3: mm.
2: and so, because touching on your point, like I like that thing, What's well, it's one of my analogies, that I say, every, you've got to look at everything, it's, it's like a 6 sided dice or a 20 sided dice and so business has about 20 sides to it, so um, and for it to work, for businesses to work it all has to work together Right, you can't separate marketing from sales, from execution to systems to finance. It all has to work together as a complete whole. And if um, one of those critical steps doesn't work, the, the whole thing doesn't work. Mm. So if you, in your mind, don't know that conceptual picture of all the moving steps, um, how it has to work, I've written a book for you. Go to Amazon. And um, it's a 12-step program. And... Um, <laughs>
1: When's that coming and, out, Dan?
2: Uh, it's, it's out. It's um, it actually sold quite a few thousand copies, to be fair, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there's about probably 10 key steps that a, a business has to do all together at the same time for it to work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that, that's another reason why you need mentoring and business training to understand how a business all needs to work. Mm all of those elements all at the same time for it to move forward. Mm. And so once, you, once you've got that in your mind, you go, okay, I now have all these levers I know that have to be pulled or pushed to move this machine forward. Does that make sense? Totally. Speaking our language, Dan. Yeah. So
1: I would like to, uh, again, if, if we just rewind a couple mm. of minutes, there was uh, some conversation in there about people. Mm. And, and it's an area that probably seems a little unscientific to business owners and, and tradespeople running a business or even self-employed tradespeople with a few other people that they pay to do some of the work. Uh, but how on earth can we apply that science principle to finding and retaining staff or yeah. is it actually black magic?
2: It's black magic, And if you sign up to my course right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just three easy payments of
2: uh, $20,000. How it's all done. Talk to you all on that channel. <laughs> and now
1: a word from our sponsor.
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, people is, um, you know, that thing, it's so true. The brain is the most complicated thing in the entire universe. So, therefore, it means people are the most complicated thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. However, we've been studying people for 7,000 recorded years of human history, and it's known how to work people out. But mm-hmm. it requires, if you're blessed with an interest in liking the human condition, then it's really easy. I, mean, I love the human condition, right? I like employing people. I like, I like making willing workers that want to be somewhere, mm. right? And I know how to do it, because, but I enjoy it. But that's it, it's another science that's well worked out. Mm. So I'll give you one of my maxims that I was taught as a 15 year old by my physics teacher extreme examples reveal the hidden truth. Right? So if you want to understand the essence of something to get to the, the core, you extreme the examples to try and reveal the hidden essence. And so the example given, of what this concept meant was was explaining how a car is kept on the road, right? Was it gravity, weight, whatever? And so what he did, he says, what well, we're going to do a mental experiment. We will extrapolate the conditions. We'll have polished ice, super flat, super smooth, and really wide polished aluminum tires. And how far will the car go? And if you've got any imagination, you can imagine the car will go nowhere because it's spinning. And he goes, cool, now we'll put really chunky rubber tires on and does the car go? And we go, yes. And so what's the answer? The answer is friction, right? Step that little bit, right? But the extreme examples revealed the hidden truth. It's only friction keeps the car on the road. Not mass, not gravity, not momentum, just mm-hmm. friction. So, so what's the most extreme examples we can think of to um, think about the human condition to tr- try and reveal a hidden truth? And so this is my insight that I'm going to share with all of you. The most extreme example is that the military has worked out how to get young men to run into bullets and die. Right, So the uh, so the armed forces have worked out how to get someone to, to run into bullets and die. And the answer is when you boil it all down, they don't die for their country. They don't die for the cause. They die for the guy next to them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? They die for their, for their little team. It's like well, we've got to do this to keep ourselves all together. So the answer to building a team, a good little company, is how the what are you doing to build an awesome little team where everyone cares for each other?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So that's the foundation of which the businesses I've built are on that foundation. And I wrap it up in this saying is the quality of a relationship is dependent on the, qual- the quality of your life is dependent on the quality of your relationships. Shitty relationships equals a shitty life. So therefore how can I build a culture at work that's really nice and supportive so everyone wants to be there? Right. How does that look? And so I called it the nanoculture, culture because everyone likes going to Nana, right? Everyone likes (laughs) going to Nana. Nana's awesome, right? (laughs) Nana never yells at you. Nana always gives you some warm food and she's always kind. She's always there for you. You like going to Nana? You don't let your Nana down, do you? Mm.
1: No, because you don't get any apple pie.
2: Well, you don't want to hurt her feelings because she's so (laughs) nice, Mm. Right. But nana can still be firm. So how do you build a nana culture, right? And so every firm needs to work that out for themselves, right? So we had non-negotiables for sure. But like one of those things I learned was put office people in to call the office, to call the tradies to get their hours and descriptions, whatever. Don't yell at them.
3: Mm-hmm. Help
2: them mm-hmm. out, right? Make sure you, you really care about their health and safety. Make sure you buy them good uniforms and good boots and make sure they're not working too many hours and make, have, a, have a health insurance policy if it goes wrong. Have free counseling, you know, have nice employment contracts that are generous, right? All these little things that actually add up to a big thing or it's a really nice place to work, Mm. right? So that's one thing I did. The other thing I did was um, wanted a place, understanding there's always going to be a labor shortage, always, right? Always going to be a labor shortage, So in those eight years, I was growing the business and remember I grew it from in eight years, I grew it from one to 23, 24 people. I think I started about 40 apprentices in that time. And so I decided, because I've been through understanding, there's always no labor. So okay, I'm just going to build a place that's just always employing apprentices all the time. Because I worked out they're only truly useless for about four to eight weeks. Right after that, they're very good at carrying ladders and digging trenches. And I say, I was saying, you don't have horses doing donkey work, mm. right? So mm. tell the traders, mate, you're not packing the banner. you're not packing leads up, you're not digging trenches, you're not drilling holes. The apprentice is doing that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? So you, I know you, I don't have apprentices on maintenance because it doesn't add up financially. So, you do, so you're doing renovations, you, you know, you're doing housing, you're doing drainage, you're doing water mains. Mm doing drain, you know, drain, um, gutter unblocking, and they're doing all of that. And after after two months, they can go clean the gutter themselves, they need no training for that, right. And so you, but what having lots of apprentices does two things in a business, um, gives you a good pool of labor always coming through some stay six, eight years, some stay six or eight months, whatever. By and large, if you're if, if you're doing it right, most of them end up staying for quite a few years, and you make good money, right. But I'm smart about it. Like I'm making sure I'm making money off them very quickly. I'm prepared to invest two months into them or they're useless, but after that, they're on jobs where they're adding money. Teach my tradies how to maximize the value by like, mate, they're digging trenches, not you. Because it's dumb to have a, a qualified tradesperson digging trenches and drilling holes and getting out leads. That's just that's just poor utilization. So don't do that. But the other thing, what it does is it gets rid of grumpy tradesmen. Mm because I don't want a tradesperson who doesn't want to teach.
3: Hmm.
2: So, and what it is, what you, there's lots of tradies who like teaching. And it's really pleasant to have a nice apprentice who likes to be taught. And it's nice to teach someone.
3: Hmm.
2: It's quite rewarding to teach young people who are trying to learn. It's really hmm. nice. Hmm. And so you end up with a really nice culture of guys. And who doesn't like having an apprentice? It's great having an apprentice, isn't it? On, a, on the bigger jobs. Right? And so the tradesman's getting a break because he's not doing all the hard, just cutting concrete, breaking concrete out, lugging leads and ladders around. He's got a hand. The jobs are getting through quicker. They're training someone, and you've got labour coming through when the tradies move on. Mm. Right. So you're trying to do. You're trying to build a good culture where people don't want to leave. Right. So I don't even mind people le- leaving me, trying to better themselves, because I think the tension being a business owner is you're trying to. Um, make your workplace so good that they don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And you expect, I also want my tradies to earn bloody good money and have a good life. Because in many ways I'm, I'm a socialist. And so therefore I expect my tradies to be pinched and poached. So, but if, if someone, if I lose a good trade member, that's on me. Because I did something wrong around not paying them well or making a good enough environment that they did, didn't want to stay. I didn't put in, the right communication, psychological safety for them to communicate that they were unhappy with me, hmm. right? It's, it's a good saying, people don't leave businesses, people leave people, right? Mm-hmm. Not always true, but it's a, it's a pretty solid thing, right? Yep. So therefore, what pathways are in place for the tradies to talk to someone about what it's like to work for me? Because I'm a bit of a prick in some ways, right? Very demanding, like I get what I need to do, but I can be very demanding, as maybe you could tell but I realized I can be very demanding, right? I realized I got very, very exacting high standards that very few people can achieve. I realized that. But but I put other people in place that they could talk to who had the confidence to talk to me, right?
3: Mm.
2: And so you've got to do that. You've got to provide a pathway that they can communicate to you through someone else.
3: Mm.
2: So you can get the pulse check of why they're not happy working. And that's bloody great, you know. Otherwise, I would have probably everyone would have left. It's complicated. Right? <laughs> it's complicated working for someone who's, who's driven with high standards, who's tattooed, right, and forceful.
1: This could it's, be why I've worked on my own for the last twenty three years. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. So you have to if you have to recognize if you're you have to recognize if you're a strong force of personality, which a of these you know, I've read these you know I read these things, this, you know, the um, applicants for best in business. The similarities of business are awesome. They're all strong, stubborn, self-willed, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> They're all blokes. They're all blokes. Pig-headed blokes. Pig-headed. But I recognise that in me, and recognise that people can't talk to me. So I had other people that they could talk to, who could who could talk to me, right? Mm-hmm. So you're doing that. So you're so what you're doing is you're stopping the top end leakage by putting in putting in. A, a good culture where you actually do care, nanoculture, but then you also made a pathway that they could communicate that was non-threatening. So I was getting that, and then I was filling the bottom end by just making us a training organization or just bringing through apprentices all the time and understanding that some would leave and some would stay and not caring because I only had a two month window that I would was prepared to tolerate someone being completely useless before they could add some value. And so once you once you get that on board, you then start realizing, oh, I am going to just, I am just going to create my own labor resource, and then that's fine, and you just become a hiring place, and then it's fine.
1: Yes, uh, that those last few words, you know, this goes back to what we were speaking about earlier. I believe around changing the way we think as, as business custodians you use that term before we actually pressed record so Mm. i'll just bring that in because i thought that was a great way to look at being a business owner is really a custodian of another entity you know it's like being a parent we don't own our kids we just we we care for them until they're actually independent enough to go and do their own thing (laughs) or in jail yes or divorce us because we were such a tyrant as a parent that (laughs) they want nothing to do with us um but, uh, you know, imagine if your business was actually you were a labor hire business, you were a HR yep. labor force business, you know, yep. and that's such a great way to look at it is thinking differently about instead of, you know, we don't buy employees like we buy equipment and then we flog the crap out of it until it doesn't work anymore yep. and then we discard it and we great. go buy a new one. Great. Actually, Just need to acknowledge that people do things for emotional reasons, and you've you've outlined a system. You know, it's it's science. It's a little less uh, cut and dried than accounting and bookkeeping and finance, and yet it's still a system. You know, it's still following a formula that actually creates that.
2: I think the mindset I have with people. See if you agree or disagree. Might be fleshing out. I think I think it's really important business owners to get to, to this mindset is that people are awesome. Like people are awesome, but they are going to let you down all the time.
1: Mm.
2: And that's okay.
1: Mm. It's part of the and, formula.
2: But yes. And the part of the formula that makes this work is you expect you're going to be let down. So part of your systems inside your business is to have um, build it in a way that you are checking so that when they let you down, you catch it. Mm-hmm. So my way of the, the things that we would do is we would just have that lady that would call them to get their the hours in for the timesheet every day because I just know that was a perennial problem so just that's a system to catch it. We had to do we had to do gas suits right and now everyone hates doing gas suits so it's fine. I just paid a guy fifteen bucks a suit after hours to do the gas suits so he loved it. I mean he could bang out eight suits an hour. He's getting you know whatever
3: mm-hmm. How much
2: that Gosh, whatever one hundred five dollars right. But it happens because I expect my guys to not do it on site. Fine. Just put a system in process that does get done. And then once you start putting that process in to allow that the people are going to let me down, then it's fine.
1: Hmm. It's. I was reminded recently of speaking with one of our tradiepreneur clients and that example that you've just given as well, Dan, uh, dovetails into that. Often I hear employers lamenting the fact that they have uh, a giraffe that doesn't swim like a dolphin. Yeah. And they're trying to get this bloody giraffe to swim like a dolphin yeah. instead of going, well, actually, I've got a giraffe. Yeah. How can I actually acknowledge Correct. that? And instead of trying to make it do something that's not in its nature. yeah acknowledge that and then create some sort of a system, you know, maybe you've got to strap some paddles onto its feet and give it a floaty device so that it can actually still swim across the river. Uh, Shocking analogy, but, you know, we need to actually make changes externally as employers rather than wishing that our people would fill out the paperwork properly every time or
3: read,
1: read the crappy job notes that we write on a piece of paper instead of, doing a how-to video or some sort of, you know, checklist for them. And I think that's what maybe the intent of the blame the system, not the person adage is really all about. Um, We go around wishing the people were different instead of creating a system that they can actually work within.
2: Yeah, like I'll use, I use, I use a much better analogy than than you used. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Thanks. Can you clean up my mess for me, Dan? No, I will clean I'm a typical you. business owner. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, I'm going to clean up your mess. I'm going I'm, I'm to give you the right story for this analogy. So the right parable is the, I think we've talked about it before, uh, the frog and scorpion about to cross the river, right? I talked about it to you last time. Yes. Right, and and halfway across, for those of you who don't know it, there's a frog and scorpion at the River Volga. And the frog's about to swim and the scorpion asks for a lift. And the frog goes, no, you'll sting me. And the scorpion goes, no, I won't. Then we'll both drown. And the frog goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Hop along. Halfway across the river. The frog goes, ow! And he goes, what did you do that for? And the scorpion goes, because it is in my nature. Right? And so w- when you own a business and you employ people, what is their nature? And don't fight that nature. Mm. Tradies don't like they, the reason they're tradies is because they didn't want to do paperwork. Mm-hmm. They they like to create things. So therefore, forcing them to do paperwork is, is against their nature. And anything that's against someone's nature, they will avoid. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you expect there to be avoidance, and you go, oh, yeah, well, it's natural. I hate it as well. Cool. I'll employ someone who likes doing detail and paperwork. And then all of a sudden, your business goes away. Do you want to do you know how I've changed my life in the last six weeks?
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us.
2: I finally decided to take some of my own own medicine and I've employed a virtual assistant to read my emails and book all my calendar appointments and and she sits with, well, so virtually, and makes me pay my bills once a month. (laughs) She's just virtually sitting there while I pay my bills. Right? Love it, love it. And it has changed my life
3: Mm.
2: because I'm now accountable to someone who helps me do my detail because I hate it. it. Changed my life. I just decided to apply my own rules of like, shut up and pay, sap, you know, sap, shut up and pay.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and it's like changed my life it's like oh my gosh i'm like a, that's why i'm so fresh and youthful and, and full of vigor you know <laughs> <laughs> because I'm on, I'm on top of my life i, I can think see this you. comes
0: back full circle yeah. to you know when we start thinking about our businesses as their own entity mm. these decisions again are so much easier to make you play into the skill set that you have most tradies yeah. don't have paperwork skill set that maybe they're not even great at team. I'm sure they're good at people because that's a big part of being a trader in the first place. So, taking the skills that you have, sharpening them with the right mentor or advice, yeah. and then getting the right people in place to do those bits of business that you're not great at, yeah. suddenly you have a business that functions well.
2: And then the trader can earn 100 bucks an hour, right? So, he goes back on the tools while the people are doing all the back end office work. Mm. That's the smart thing. Why would mm. the, tra- the trader can earn the most money sit in the office?
1: It doesn't make any sense. Oh, So uh, we've got a whole bunch of listeners who have just realized <laughs> that perhaps there's some stuff that they didn't know that they didn't know about business and uh, they're going to go off and study maths and science mm. and uh, and do it a bit differently.
2: Gosh, if that's the mission they've got. We've done this all wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's I think that's the mystery for a lot of people. Again, just based on my own observation over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, I think there's misconception about what it takes to succeed in business. And it's not – people look at, you know, the Elon Musks and the Sir Richard Bransons of the world and they think they've got some magical genetic makeup or that, you know, they were born with a silver spoon up their butt And Mm. while some of those things can have an impact on the timeframes in business um, and external factors certainly play a part with timing and opportunities. You talked about opportunities Mm. earlier, Dan, you know, our decisions in the moment, whether to take an opportunity or pass it up. They certainly play a part and it's just, it's doing the gritty hard work, which is, not the sight work, it's the the self work and the yeah. willingness to seek out a different way of thinking. Yeah. How's that yeah. is that is is that as good as your frog and scorpion analogy? <laughs> I reckon I still like my giraffe one better. Like the visual is just so much better.
2: Yeah, I think with pedals, it's just could to do it. <laughs> I
0: hope there's a cartoonist somewhere listening, and they can draw up this giraffe with paddles on it. Yeah, someone draw me
2: a
1: giraffe on a stand-up paddleboard with some flippers,
2: swimming like a dolphin. (laughs) It's probably a good analogy for how most businesses run. That's so true. Yeah. So maybe, so I know we're going to hack over the same edge, but to sum up, you're summing up. I'm laughing. Can we get our lightsabers out now and just see who's got the biggest <laughs> lightsaber? <laughs> if, um, what I hope you've taken from this is that if you don't know that business is a very safe thing, business can really, can be really safe and fun. And if you don't know that, I would hope you would, that would encourage you to go and find out what you need to learn so that you can be in that same position.
0: Okay. That's a lovely bow. I enjoyed that. Thank you,
1: Dan. Right, let's stop wrapping the present and putting sticky tape all over it. <laughs> There's
0: about six bows on that thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, as is always the case, uh, I think our previous episode or episodes mm-hmm. we did with you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Dan, uh, there is so much depth to the well that uh, we could keep dipping into it for hours. Um, mm-hmm. We won't because our listeners have paid work to go and do, so they yes. need to press stop on this yes. episode and crack on with it. Um, I just want to say again how awesome it is to be working with Fergus uh, and your team, Dan. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, I guess, experiencing some of the people within your organization and the passion that they have uh, and the team that you and the rest of the the leadership team, I guess, have pulled together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's great to have Fergus supporting the Excellence Awards. Um, mm-hmm. And we're pretty excited about uh, the future with companies like yours that get it, you know, in in inverted commas, that just get it. Uh, So listeners, if you are sick of doing paperwork and uh, if you've (laughs) been listening for this episode, uh, you would recognize the fact that you might need to change your systems. Obviously, go check Fergus out. Um, It's a cracking program, as you can hear. It's been developed by a tradesperson who's been on the ground and experienced it all, made all the mistakes, um, so go check that out. Uh, Is it fergusapp.com? No, it's Did
2: you know we got voted best in class in the world for Fergus? Oh, wow. Nice. Congratulations. com. Yeah. We, we are the best in class in the world for what we do.
0: That's
2: Brilliant.
1: incredible.
2: It's incredible. There you go. Well done.
1: So do check it out, listeners. And um, other than that, we're going to put the present under the tree and uh, <laughs> leave it alone.
2: Leave it alone. All right, the Cape Crusader. <laughs>
0: thanks, Dan. I love overthinking with you.
2: Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we haven't gotten the same room with a couple of beers yet. <laughs> it's so going to be a long night. Late night, yeah. Mate, pleasure as always. Um, thanks for being so abundant with your time and your wisdom. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you again on the show sometime soon. Oh, Me
2: too. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Cheers, Dan. Bye.
0: Bye.